In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin, and the ball is free. Get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Monday. Glad to have you with us. And uh, good to be back here after five days off at the American League Championship Series. The Houston Astros defeating the Yankees. Not only defeating the Yankees, but sweeping the Yankees. How cool is that to see the Astros celebrating in the visitors' clubhouse with brooms, champagne, goggles, and brooms? Lovely. <laughs> see, I'm not one of these anti- anti-Yankee haters. People think that hey, I love the Yankees because I used to draft so many Yankees in my fantasy baseball team, you know. Uh, but no, it's just I had to pound. The Astros drum all year long. People saying, Yankees are the better team. Yankees are better. No, they're not the better team. They got too many flaws. And that all came to fruition. I said Aaron Boone was going to lose his team games. Came to fruition. I said Dave Roberts was going to lose Dodgers games. Down the stretch, postseason. It happened. Bottom line is, Aaron Judge did not hit. And again, everybody has Aaron Judge as being the MVP. It's done. You know what? If you really want to dive into this and you really want to look at it, you say Jordan Alvarez should be your MVP. But Aaron Judge is going to get it. Votes are already in because he hit 62 homers. But what Aaron Judge do in the postseason? Hit a buck 60 in the postseason. That's not going to get it done. Yankees have been home run or nothing all year long. Below 500 after the All-Star break. Below 500 until they got eliminated up until Sunday. Below 500 from the middle of July to October the 22nd. Astros, best team in baseball. Can they seal the deal against this resurgent, resilient Phillies team who came out of nowhere? Looking forward to it. All starts on Friday. I like Bazio saying Astros and six. I get you gone for another couple of days. Yeah. You're very rude. You know that? You Just know? a little bit. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know, I think you need to apologize, you know, for in, in, insulting me and, and, and wanting me gone. You Fine. Know? I hope the Phillies win in four. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said the Astros in four with a sweep. Phillies. In seven. Who are you rooting for? I know who you're rooting for. I'm actually, I, I'm really, I'm rooting for the Astros. Of course you are. Of course you are. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Because you've become like family too now. Yeah. There you go. All right. Because you're insulting me so that you're like, exactly. you're like family. Uh, like that little younger brother that's just a pest. And then you come and go, yeah, I'm rooting for your team. It's all good. All right. Raiders, victorious yesterday, 38-20 to over the Texans, a game that the Raiders definitely had to win yesterday. Started off very slow for them, but then third and fourth quarter came rolling around, and it was a Josh Jacobs show. He was phenomenal, 143 yards, three touchdowns. We heard from Josh McDaniels and Josh Jacobs in hour one. Here's Derek Carr's thoughts on the offensive line play yesterday. Yeah, I'm just so proud of them, man. They've been pushed really hard, and it's something we've talked about since OTAs and uh, training camp that you know we've we've had conversations about, and the different people moving spots and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just so proud of them. You know, it's never going to be perfect, especially in this league uh, against the guys that they're playing. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm I'm proud of them. They've worked really hard. Uh, Carm and Cam have done a great job in teaching, um, and and watching them grow has been awesome because you know, we get the running game going. They you know, you know, pass game sacks are going to happen every now and then, especially in this league and all that kind of stuff. But uh, they'll be the first ones to tell you their stuff they love to clean up. But I'm, I'm proud of the way that they're playing. And, uh, you know, we're going to need them to do that as we go forward. Offensive line, huge for the Raiders yesterday. 
The Raiders also had some very good execution in the red zone and especially in the fourth quarter yesterday. I mean, at the end of the day, it came down to us executing in the red zone much better, right? And just outside the red zone, you know, right in that area. Uh, I think three for three or four for four touchdowns there. I mean, that... That right there is going to help everybody. You know, teams going to have to defend the run, and we have our weapons, and we don't even have all of them right now. You know, and if they want to defend that, then Josh is doing a great job with the O line and receivers blocking today too. In the fourth quarter, was really impressive. Um, again, there's things to correct, but you know, if we can if we can execute at that that type of clip, that type of level, um, you know, it'll be good for us going forward because that's a really good defense. You know, you watch the games that they played leading up to this. It, it, that's a credit to. Credit to them and, you know, playing against them, they're so fast, you know, and they have a lot of different looks and certain things. And uh, they mix some things up over the bye week, too, which was great for us to just play football and see and uh, make adjustments during the game. But I was really proud of the way that we finished the game, um, something that we talked about, that competitive stamina. You hear Derek Carr giving credit to the Houston Texans. And, you know, mo- most players and coaches do that these days. But let's face it, Houston Texans are terrible. All right. Both these teams had the two worst records in the AFC coming into that game yesterday. So, of course, you know you want to give credit to the other team. But the bottom line is the Raiders were the better team yesterday. They just got off to that slow start. Uh, second half, they start rolling. They put together nice long drives. And, uh, and, and they did it yesterday uh, without Darren Waller. Okay, But they did get Hunter Renfro back. Here's Carr talking about uh, the weapons that he has around him. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, you know, I'm uh, I'm blessed. You know, to have those so, so many so many options. You know, um, it really keeps defenses honest. Um, it makes them you know have to make a decision. You know, how they want to play us and what they want to do. And uh, then it's up to me and you know Josh to figure it out and me to read it right. You know, and do it the right way. So um, you know, it, whenever you know we get everybody back and healthy, it'll be awesome. But that doesn't guarantee that we'll win more games. You know, uh, it just guarantees that. You know, all our guys are back, and we have an opportunity to uh, get better with everybody there. Yeah, it would be good to see Darren Waller come back, uh, as we know. The hamstring issue uh, just has kept him out uh, majority of these games so far this year. But yesterday, the star was Josh Jacobs. Here's Derek Carr talking about Josh Jacobs and the running game. Well, I said when we, when we traded for Devontae, I, I've I said it from the beginning. The happiest person in the building is Josh Jacobs, you know, by far. You know, um, if teams want to give him attention, then Josh is going to be the happiest man on the planet. You know, and you see it in the red zone. You know, teams leaning to him, doubling him, playing a split safety or doing this or different ways to do it. You know, they can play single high and do it certain ways to just get help there, and it gives you good angles in the run game, or it gives you this or that. And um, you know, so far we're seeing that pay off and. And and Josh is one of the best backs in the league. You know, it's not he's not a slouch. You know, back there. And so, um, you know, if you know our guys keep working hard and keep uh, doing the right things, then we want to be a balanced football team. You know, we don't care if we throw for five thousand. We don't care if we rush for two thousand. We don't care if we're in the middle. You know, um, we just want to win football games and just make it make it hard on people. All right, uh, Josh Jacobs, phenomenal game yesterday. Three touchdowns, 143 yards. That's three 100-yard games for the Raiders running back. Uh, With this victory, now the question is, can the Raiders start stringing some more wins together? A little bit of a soft schedule coming their way, but could this be the beginning for a little win streak? Well, a a lot of what we did today, we did – you know, really towards the end of the second quarter and on, um, we stopped beating ourselves, you know, and we just executed. And um, it sounds so cliche, but when you just do your job the right way, you know, not your way, but just do it the right way, um, and all 11 do that. On offense, it's you need all 11. You know, if one guy doesn't do it, the play's over, you know. Um, you know, defensively, if a corner, you know, blows a coverage, but the defensive end gets a sack, you know, it's nice, you know. Uh, but offense, you need all 11. And, um, you know, if we can keep doing that, then hopefully we can play good football going forward. But it's not going to be easy. You know, we got a lot of tough teams coming up, uh, especially um, this next week. There is the Raiders quarterback, uh, Derek Carr, uh, talking about the victory yesterday. All right. My good friend Sam Gordon for the Las Vegas Review-Journal was there as I was yesterday watching the action there at Allegiant Stadium. Sammy the Bull, what's going on, man? 
DC, happy Monday. How you doing? Appreciate you having me on the show. You got it, brother. All right, give me some thoughts. You heard from Derek Carr. You heard from Josh Jacobs. You heard from Josh McDaniels. Your thoughts about the Raiders' victory over the Texans? Yeah, DC, I think um, the second half uh, yesterday was as good as they played all season. All right, all three phases. You force uh, a turnover on defense, the pick six. Uh, the running game was really able to you could get established with Josh Jacobs behind a, an improving offensive line. I wrote about that a little bit in today's paper, Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, and, and then just great execution on both ends. I think that was – you didn't see that in the first half. Quite frankly, the team was very sloppy. Uh, not what you necessarily expect out of a bye week in which they had, you know, wanted to fix a number of those issues. I think some of those issues came up. There was penalties, penalties on special teams. Uh, and defensively, really struggling against a you know a lame offense in Houston. That, that's not a prolific offense by any means, and, and they were getting chunk plays you know throughout the course of the first half. But some adjustments at halftime uh, allowed the Raiders to close the game in rather decisive fashion. And, and all things considered, um, I was impressed um, by, by the tenor of the second half, no doubt about it. And uh, it was a game, quite frankly, like you said, you had to win that game. Uh, there are the Texans. Uh, the, the the state of these two organizations are completely different. Texans clearly rebuilding uh, or trying to rebuild and the Raiders much, you know, in win now mode and needed that win to, to, to basically preserve their season or what's left of their season. Uh, so they, they get the win, they handle business. And now all of a sudden you're in premium position uh, to go down to new Orleans with, with, with the number of things clicking uh, to, to pick up another victory. So I thought it was a good win, um, but the Raiders still have a long way to go given the, the, the one and four start in order to get back in the playoff picture. If they can play like they did yesterday, put together uh, games in all three phases, and they're going to have a shot. Uh, but that, that's just one one game, and they're going to have to do that several more times. Josh Jacobs, again, is is a fantastic running back. We saw him at Alabama where he was outstanding, but it just didn't, hasn't seemed like he really, you know, really got to his full potential. Or maybe he wasn't given the opportunity with the the offense that John Gruden was running and then, you know, the mess that they had, you know, last year with Gruden leaving, Basaccia coming in, and now here comes Josh McDaniels. Uh, we know that Josh... Jacobs is playing for his contract. Uh, the Raiders elected not to renew him for whatever reason. But his performance this year is is very, very good, Sam. And I don't think it's because he's playing for a contract. I just think that it's because maybe he's in this system that suits him well. We saw uh, McDaniels and Bill Belichick, you know, g- even though they had Tom Brady with all those those great Patriot teams, they would take times – and run the football a majority of the time. Do you see Jacob's success really basically being attributed to this offense? Uh, I think that's definitely a piece of it. Uh, I, I think you, you do have the last three games, right, a, a very concerted effort to feature Jacobs, to feature the running game, and to, to use the run more or less to set up the pass. Now, for whatever reason, first three games, three first three, four games, perhaps score perhaps circumstance, perhaps a, com- perhaps a combination of both, just not as refined up front. Uh, they, they weren't featuring Jacobs. It was very pass-heavy. Uh, and while the Raiders were in those games, you know, the first, the, the, their first three games that they lost, uh, they, they didn't control the, the games like they did. You know, quite frankly, all, you know, the last three, three weeks, even though they lost to Kansas City, they were in control for a large portion of that game and had the ball in their hands with an opportunity to win. So I think leaning into Jacobs – uh, has certainly uh, helped his production, but I also think you're, you're seeing a player who now is 24 years old, right, has matured a little bit. Um, talked yesterday about just kind of the extensive preparation that he put in in the offseason. Uh, tra- he was training in Miami for a couple months, working out on his own, even though he was away from the team, and really refined his diet. He talked a little bit yesterday about why he made those changes, uh, and he said just understanding his body better, knowing what he needs, knowing how hard to go, maybe when to, when to step back in the offseason, and you know, you see a, a player that has regained some of the explosiveness that he has as a rookie. Let's not forget, he was an 1,100-yard back, uh, averaging almost five point yards of, or, you know, almost five yards a pop uh, his first year in the league. I think some nagging injuries took away a little bit of his burst the last couple of years. And, and now that he's healthy, you know, he's in um, top condition. He's been, he's quite frankly, he's been performing uh, like the best running back in the league, if not, you know, one, you know, one of the best two or three. There's a number of ways you can go, but he's right up there uh, in terms of all the statistical Measures, uh, yards, uh, yards per carry, touchdowns, three straight 100-yard games with a touchdown that's only been done a handful of times since the NFL merger. So he's really um, emerging, and, and, and the Raiders are leaning into that. They understand at this stage this is the strength of their offense and this is the kind of style uh, they want to play. And, and who knows, right? Scoring circumstance might dictate other playing styles 
uh, moving forward. But I think there's uh, – in the NFL, when you can establish a running game, you hear teams and coaches talk about it all the time, the importance of it, and you see why. Because it's, it means you're being physical. It means you're, you're, you're winning those battles at the line of scrimmage. And then Josh Jacobs uh, has just been kind of been magical in his own right with the way he's able to break tackles and shift and some of the elusiveness we've seen. So I think it's a number of factors. But it's certainly a credit to McDaniels and the coaching staff for making those adjustments uh, and leaning into him when he's playing so well and when you have an offensive line that's the strength. Um, is clearly run-blocking as the pass protection continues to develop and evolve. Sam Gordon joins us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Sam's column appears oh, a couple times a week. And again, I wrote a great column regarding this game yesterday with the Raiders and the Texans. Uh, go check that out. Sam, can the Raiders win long-term against the upper echelon teams? And the reason why I ask that is because they beat a Houston Texans team. They were favored by more than a touchdown yesterday. They're supposed to win this game. And now when you look at the schedule upcoming, you've got some very beatable opponents. I mean, you got the Saints. Uh, the Saints are not the same team that we've been accustomed to seeing over the last decade. Not them at all. Uh, huge question marks at, at, at quarterback. And and then you've got Jacksonville. you got to have, you have Indianapolis. Uh, and that whole division, you know, it, it's, it's questionable. So they're going to have some very, very winnable games here. And I just have a feeling that the fan base may, you know, get a little bit lost in in the shuffle here by thinking like, okay, you know, if they start to to win here. But I want to see this team, you know, do what they did yesterday against the upper echelon teams. And it was frightening for the first 30 minutes of this game where they were basically trailing until they tied it up at halftime. Uh, Just a little food for thought here and answer the question, you know, what does this season look like? for the Raiders long-term against the upper echelon teams? Well, that is a, that's a great question. Cause I, I before, before I, you know, I want to see them repeat this effort against the team they're supposed to beat, right? Can they right. go into the Superdome and do this? I'm not sure, right? You would like to think so based on the fact that, Hey, when they play teams that they have better personnel than uh, certainly better personnel than Houston and Denver, they were able to kind of put those teams away in similar fashion, uh, but again, I mean, Arizona's nothing to write home about. Um, Tennessee's been solid, very well-coached team, but they're not the team that they were last season, I don't think. Certainly we're not, without A.J. Brown, not quite the same pop in that passing game. So those games were winnable, and they didn't execute down the stretch situationally. Now, they did do that yesterday. Uh, it, it's, it's a sign of progress. It's a sign of growth. They were able to really uh, put a team away in the fourth quarter on offense and defense. So, I'm not. I'm really not sure. We haven't seen them do it against a good team yet, uh, and they're not going to have an opportunity to do so for quite some time. But uh, I would like to see if this team could stack up some wins against again teams that they're supposed to beat. I, I don't. I, I think even though the Saints are struggling, and even though the Saints have quarterback issues and and whatnot, uh, the Superdome is still a really tough place to play, and, and it's just kind of a singular experience. And based on that whole NFC South, where, where that division is trending and where it's at right now, uh, the Saints aren't out of it. So it's still a super significant game for them as well. And, and even though the Raiders are looking at uh, other teams like, hey, these are winnable games, like other teams are viewing the Raiders the exact same way, right? That the Raiders are 2-4, and four, their only wins are over Houston and Denver. So they still have you know, a lot to prove before, before I can definitively say that they're ready to beat the best teams in the league. I, they, they've had opportunities so far. Uh, they had an opportunity against Kansas City. They didn't get it done. They're going to have to build on wins like the ones they had yesterday and the ones that might be upcoming on the schedule uh, to, to, in order to prepare to beat good teams. So we'll see when, when the schedule tests them. Um, but right now, uh, they, they do have a nice win to build on, and we'll, we'll have to figure out if that translates um, going down to New Orleans. It's a very tough place to play on Sunday. The next four games, the Raiders have, are facing teams with below 500 records here. And then their fifth game is against Seattle, and Seattle is – uh, you know, they they are, are better than advertised or better than expected as of now. So really, I mean, the next five games can be very, very winnable games. And so, yeah, false sense of security, maybe possibly. But on the flip side of that, Sam, you can only play the teams that are in front of you, right? That's it. So you got you, you got to win these games coming up and, and no excuses here. Uh, the Saints... Like you said, Superdome, tough place to play, but this Saints team is 2-5. and five. Uh, they, the, the Raiders, I, I think talent-wise, the Raiders may actually have better talent than the Saints. Yeah, no question. I, it's definitely a game that, that they should win, 
and the hallmark of a maturing team is going to be able to is going into a tough place to play like that and handling business on the road, right? Like that. That I think, even though the Saints are only two and five, that is a litmus test from a team with the Raiders. Who, yes, we've seen the talent. We know it's a playoff caliber team because we saw that last year in terms of talent. Uh, but but we hadn't seen that level of execution. So I think that's what we're going to learn this week. Can the Raiders go into a team on the road, play a team that they should beat, and execute hostile situations? That's what. I think we're going to find out. Um, I'm with you, DC. It's a game that they definitely should win, and quite frankly, they need to win because uh, just with all the parity in the AFC, we're not exactly sure who's going to go where. I mean, there's so many of these interesting matchups um, like this that it's it's still a must-win game um, for the Raiders, as there are a number of these. Until they can get back to around 500, uh, maybe a game or two ahead, they still have some breathing room. But what they didn't afford themselves at the 1-4 and four start is any breathing room, and that's what puts the onus on this game on Sunday um, so much. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I'm with you, though. It's a game that the Raiders should win, um, and they, they, they do, I believe, have a playoff-caliber roster. They've shown it at various junctures this season, uh, and now it's time to see if they can go, go ahead and put together four good quarters on the road. Everyone's talking about the 38 points that they put on the board yesterday. And again, I mean, there really was no need for A.J. Cole for the better part of that game yesterday. Uh, the Raiders you know, didn't need to punt at all, especially in the second half. But, Sam, it was rather alarming to see Davis Mills be able to direct that Houston offense, which is not very good at all. And, and kind of slice the Raiders up in the secondary here. And here we go again, you know, looking at this Raiders defense. I don't know how confident you are, you know, with this group, but something has got to change here. Give me your thoughts about the Raiders D. Yeah, it's, been, it's certainly been an issue um, so far this season, especially down by the red zone. I think going, coming into yesterday's game, we'll have to see where all the kind of the, the, the metrics and stuff shake out after Monday night tonight, but they were um, dead last in, 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 in opposing red zone touchdown efficiency, right? Opposing teams were scoring touchdowns on 81% of uh, their drives when they reached the red zone. So that was um, alarming, as was the lack of takeaways. Uh, the Raiders, the last couple of seasons, have not been a team that's created takeaways, uh, and those usually come from, from pressuring the quarterback. And outside of Max Crosby, uh, they haven't generated a whole lot of pressure this year. I thought yesterday, especially in the second half, they took a step uh, in that regard in generating pressure. I think we've seen Chandler Jones, after a slow start, um, he's played better in the last couple of weeks, right? Hasn't necessarily got home every time, but you're starting to see him generate pressure more. I think that has been the biggest issue on the defense. We know um, Nate Hobbs is hobbled. That's a, that's a big loss uh, when, you, when you don't have a Pro Bowl um, caliber corner out there. Uh, so the way to kind of make up for that is by, by generating a pass rush because that takes pressure off the corners and safeties a little bit and makes everybody's job easier. So uh, it's been an issue so far. But that's, that's I think, one area with the pass rush where, where they can potentially turn it around. They have the personnel, uh, and, and they've, they've been better uh, in that regard, I think, the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, they, there's still, I think, a ways to go um, on that end. But, but all things considered, I mean, given what we've, what we've seen over the last six weeks, I would think Raiders fans uh, have to be encouraged by the way the defense finished that game. They, they got the key stop when they absolutely had to have it. They got the pick six. Um, yes, it's Houston, but it's still a step because they were, they, they were struggling in that regard uh, through the first five games. So a little bit of improvement on that end in the second half uh, of the game, and the Raiders are going to need that to carry over um, into the New Orleans team where, again, if, if they're – there, there, there's opportunities to be had. Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes uh, on Thursday night. Like this is a team where you can go get the ball uh, if you make certain plays in the backfield and are able to get after the quarterback. So I think there are going to be opportunities, and we're going to see if the Raiders can capitalize. All right, my friend Sam Gordon here, as we know, is a Minneapolis native, and uh, I will. I'm going to set you up here, Sam. Uh, your Minnesota Vikings they had a bye yesterday. Uh, are they the worst five and one team out there? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, maybe. Um, I, they, Come on, Sam. That's not so definitive I, enough. Are they the worst five and one team out there or not? Uh, they might be. Are they the only? Well, yeah, I guess so. Right. <laughs> I think they have to be by default. Um, they've they've been solid. They've been rock solid. I think where they've been really good um, is situationally. That's where they struggled under Mike Zimmer, and it's a team now that's reduced their penalties. I think they're in the top five uh, in the NFL in, in, in fewest penalties, leaning into Kirk Cousins. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, there's been a real connection there, one of the best uh, in the NFL. And then late in games, they've been, they've been great on, on both ends. So uh, the schedule has been, been relatively soft so far. I think the one big game they've had was going into Philly, and uh, they got wrecked by Philly in that game and had their opportunities in the second half to come back and couldn't do it. Uh, so this is a team in the, within the Vikings that should be in the mix uh, for the number one seed. The division is down. I mean, we saw Green Bay yesterday and where they're at. Uh, we see Detroit and we see the Bears, right? The division is down. It's a prime opportunity 
um, for the Vikings to, to go 13 and 4, 14 and 3, string together some wins and, and, and maybe push Philly for that number one seed. But uh, until it's the postseason, I'm not, it, I think it's going to be hard to really glean or gather um, how good this team is just because of the schedule and where they're at and, and just because uh, we got to see it with Kirk Cousins. Uh, we got to see if he can break through uh, in the postseason and what, what he's capable of on that kind of stage. So uh, it'll be interesting. But I know the fans back home are, are really happy with, with Kevin O'Connell and kind of the direction he's leading this team. I know Mike Zimmer, uh, you know, had worn out his welcome there, and Vikings fans are certainly excited about what they have, you know, starting out 5-1. Five and one, the uh, Giants six and one, Buffalo Bills five and one. So there are a couple of one loss teams there, and uh, yeah, get, like I said, you can only you know play the teams that are on your schedule, and and the Vikings have gotten the job done. You mentioned Kevin Connell there, and again, most people don't even know who he is. Uh, is there is there much of a difference between his approach and Mike Zimmer's approach? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, there was definitely some tension between Mike Zimmer and Kevin O'Connell, and I, or not not Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins, right. and uh, it really affected the dynamic of the team. And Kevin O'Connell and, and um, Kirk Cousins have a prior relationship. O'Connell was the quarterback's coach, I believe, when Cousins was in Washington, and and there's just a real comfort and and and, and trust there. And my my my, my best friend actually, um, Dame Mizutani, who's a great sports writer for the St. Paul Pioneer Press. I uh, wrote a column. You know, he's he's very abreast to what's going on with the Vikings, and he wrote a column last week about that very dynamic, about how Kirk Cousins uh, is being himself and, and is feeling more comfortable in who he is in this offense and, and in the locker room too, and how it's paying off. So, uh, the, the shift to a younger, more more aggressive, uh, more offensive-minded coach, I think, has definitely paid dividends uh, for the Vikings so far. Uh, and and there's again a lot of good vibes in, in Minneapolis from not right now, from what I'm gathering. So. Um, Mike Zimmer, you know, did a great job in his tenure, especially early on, just establishing some consistency and some baseline expectations. Uh, but he definitely wore that locker room out, and, and I think the Vikings uh, players are, are certainly uh, relieved to have a new voice in there. All right, Sam Gordon joins us. All right, Sam, before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention the opening week of the NBA season. And uh, yeah. we see the Warriors on opening night uh, drill press uh, the Lakers. Lakers. Off to a horrendous start. What zero and three start uh, there? Uh, give me some uh, some quick takeaways from the opening week of the NBA season in your eyes. Yeah, Boston and Milwaukee clearly the class of the East, and and even with with the coaching situation um, in Boston, that team hasn't seemed to miss a beat. Joe Mazzulla doing a fantastic job on Jason Tatum. Uh, I know it's, it's early, 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 but he's playing like you know an MVP, like the MVP of the league. He's just carrying himself. That way on both ends of the floor, he's been dynamic. And then we know what we're going to get from Milwaukee. Uh, I think in the West, uh, you're, you're going to see some teams working to figure out some chemistry, the Timberwolves being one of them, and then the Nuggets as well, as they you know, add Rudy Gobert and then welcome back Michael Porter and Jamal Murray, uh, respectively, figuring some things out. I think Golden State is Golden State. You know they're going to be there at the end. Will they repeat? I'm not sure yet. And, and then you mentioned the Lakers, uh, just a, a, a the opposite of a dynamic roster around LeBron and, and AD, right? You need shooters around those guys, uh, and there's no shooting on the roster whatsoever. And then the Westbrook situation uh, feels like it's getting more tense by the day um, with, with how he's performed this year and the effect that it's had on the team. So it's a long season. Um, it's a marathon. Expecting the Lakers to make a trade at some point. I think Philly, too, the Sixers, a uh, team that a lot of people had high hopes for, high expectations for. I, starting out 0-3, uh, it's very early, but big picture, I'm not. I'm not sold that they're a, a real contender. Um, when when you take a look at, at just kind of their construction of the roster, I don't think there's enough perimeter defense, uh, and, and I'm still concerned from a leadership standpoint. Where are they getting that from? Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, long way to go, but it's good to have basketball back and, and, and fun to follow and everything. And, and uh, you know, great time of year with the NFL uh, in full effect, with the World Series right around the corner, with the NBA season. I'm um, starting in the NHL, too. So it's, it's a great time to be a sports fan and a great time to be in Vegas. No doubt about it. And back to Westbrook, I just don't understand why uh, even LeBron James, and whether he believed this or not, but you know, uh, before the season started, was talking about Westbrook. And, and why do people think uh, that, that things would change with Russell Westbrook? I mean, really, it, it doesn't matter who the coach is. Uh, this this thing just continues to be a mess with him, and now we see you know him getting benched in crunch time again. Again, doesn't matter who the coach is, but I, I don't understand why people would think that something would just change with this guy just because the calendar is flipping and it's a new season. 
You know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think maybe some of that was, you know, public posturing to try and, you know, create trade value or, or whatever. I mean, clearly ineffective, right? Like we've seen how he's played so far and he's still on the team. So because he's such a big expiring contract, I do believe he will get moved at some point. But, and there are, there are various uh, trade scenarios that make sense uh, for, for where, the, where the opposing or where the other teams uh, would add draft compensation and be able to get out of some contracts and the Lakers are able to add players that contribute and make sense around LeBron and AD. But uh, the roster is an absolute mess right now, and we've seen that play out uh, so far through the first two games. Uh, they're defending at a high level, but the offense is an absolute mess. Um, and from a chemistry perspective, you can tell things aren't, aren't clicking perfectly, and, and I think the Westbrook situation um, has a lot to do with that. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's a long season, and again, I do expect the Lakers – uh, to make a move at some point, because when LeBron signed off for that extension, he, you know he didn't have to sign a contract extension. He agreed uh, to an extra year there, so so you would have to think that that meant that there was an agreement in place that they were going to be a little bit more aggressive in how they construct this roster. Um, they, one thing though is that, that this current one doesn't make any sense, and uh, and until it changes, the Lakers are going to continue to be irrelevant. So. That's where we're at right now. It's a long season. Again, good to have basketball back. You got it, brother. All right, Sam, great stuff. Continue following Sam. He's a great follow on Twitter as well at Gordon, And check out his columns in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Whether you're old school or not, the paper or online, whatever it is. And notice, you know, earlier on, Sam, you said, you know, uh, you've referred to it as the paper. At what point in time do people quit calling it the paper? I don't know. That's a great question, TC. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna always call him one. I'm a, you know. I, Me too. That's, that's what I. That's what I love. So, uh, the game's changing, but but some things will stay the same. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll keep on at the paper for a while. <laughs> Are we gonna go back to your wet newspaper complaints? Uh, well, if we start getting rain again, again, yeah. Yeah, again, that's it. I'm an old school guy. I get my newspaper delivered. There it is. And, and see, Sam can appreciate that as well, too. You know, put that rubber band around the paper. And if you're going to deliver it, okay, get it to my doorstep. Okay. And I'm not talking to the circulation department. Sam is, you know, on the editorial side. So he's got nothing to do with that, Chuck. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Rubber band around the newspaper, put it in the bag. Boom. There you go. All right, Sam. We appreciate you, brother. Be good. And uh, we'll see you around. All right, thanks, CC. Talk soon. Take care. There it is, Sam Gordon. Why do you bring that up, Nemchuk? He had no. He was like, "I'm not touching that at all." <laughs> Why did you bring it up? Yeah, because I was. I was just what I thought you were going to go for. I thought you were going to kind of lead into it a little bit no. about you were having issues with your newspapers. So you know last what? I, week you know two what, weeks ago. You know what I do? I uh, when I uh, leave for. Even if I'm gone for a day, whether it's two, three a week, I do the vacation hold. Yep. So I do not get my newspapers, um, you know, delivered to me. But you know what they've done? Going back a couple of years now, they used to give you credit and not charge you for those days. They go, nah, no more credit. We'll just give because well, we'll, nobody's getting the paper. We'll, it's like we'll give you the two bucks. It's not a, my point. If I don't two get bucks a paper for a year, dude. If, if I don't get a, a paper, give me credit. Like you did back in the day. That's it. Two bucks for a year. It is not. What do you? You, can, you don't even get the paper delivered to you. You don't even know what you're talking about. You can get it for like they have them all the time. They they. I sit. think I get it for like thirteen or sixteen bucks a year. Oh wow! <laughs> it's not two bucks. So you want your credit? Here's your four yeah, pennies. It's the I'll principle. Give it okay, it's the principle. Okay, if you're gonna go to White Castles, you're gonna get that crappy burger for fifty nine cents. What's a White Castle burger right now? I think it's like fifty nine six nine cents. Okay, fifty nine like six nine cents. Okay, let's say you don't get that burger. Okay, you're gonna say well, it's only fifty nine cents. So who cares? No. Or if they give it to you and it's all smashed. Okay. That's the best way to have it. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say it's deteriorated, or say you don't get it at all. Somebody drops it on the ground. Are you going to say, "Oh, forget it's only fifty nine cents"? No. No, you're not going to say that. They're going to see so that it's the and same give it, principle give you of the newspaper. The paper. Yeah. They're going to give you. They're going to give you the I'm same. I'm not complaining sandwich. about it. Okay. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that I'm not one to say, "Hey, uh, you know, I, I, I want credit." I'm just saying it's rather odd for them just to assume, like, "Hey, no, no credit." I'm okay because it is minimal. You're right. But I do enjoy those days that, you know, my paper's not stacked up when I come home. So I go, forget it. Vacation hold. Oh, do you want to donate your papers? Sure. I'll do- donate the papers. Or do you want all your papers delivered to you when you get back? No. I don't want that. So, anyway, you brought that up, not me. I know I did. Yeah. It's just a little bit <laughs> of fun. Trying to stir it up, aren't you? I am. But, yeah, on, when, when the rainy days come and it gets soaked again. They'll be on blast. I'm I'm just waiting for a phone call from Fernando. Yeah. Come on, buddy. 
Chuck Esposito is going to join us when we come back. We talk about who won on the betting side of the counter. Was it the players or was it the books? This is Showtime Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning into the T.C. Martin Show. And I want to thank again my man Showtime Sean Porter for filling in for me Friday while I was in Houston at the LCS. Nicely done, Showtime. And also Stevie Slapshot as well for filling in for me last Wednesday and Thursday. And I'll uh, be doing that again coming up on Friday. So I'll be making my way to Houston for the World Series games one and two, Friday and Saturday, travel day on Sunday. And the series will shift to Philadelphia for games three, four, and five. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, off day, back in Houston, Friday, Saturday, if necessary, game six and seven. Nunchuck, you got all that? Did you write that down? You, I have. I've had the it. schedule? I've had it since they announced it. You've got it etched in stone? Yes. Since you knew that I'd be going a long God. time ago. That's why I'm pushing you to go to four. You, go to four. You, you, you want me to go on the road, go too? Go four or five. Just, You're so mean. You're so mean. That's it. it no, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing for you. Yeah. I'm 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 very happy with with being able to go to the home games. Feel very comfortable in that ballpark. Home games are lovely. Such a little and ba- such a little baby. Eighty degrees, all because of the weather. And, and, all because of the weather. Eighty degrees on a roof. There I mean, it is. it's like seventy in here, and you're wearing. A I do like. I, I, I get you. I do like Philly. I do like Philly. It was a little chilly this morning. When I put it, this sweatshirt on. It was on. really cold. Yeah, yeah, really. Really. Like, what was it, 58? That's really cold. That's really cold. Oh, jeez. All right. Our next guest knows a thing or two about the cold because he resides from Chicago. And tonight we'll be watching a game in New England in Foxborough between the Bears and the Patriots. Chuck Esposito joins us from over at Red Rock where I know that Chuck's got a nice polo on right now. Probably a Bears polo at that. What's going on, my man? Hey, I'm doing good, buddy. Uh, no Bears polo. I agree. I thought it was a little chilly this morning. I have a sweater on. But, uh, you know, got a, a little bit of a cold weather game tonight. A little Patriots-Bears, a little throwback. Belichick tied with George Hallis can uh, become the second winningest coach with a win here. And, uh, man, you look at the AFC East. Everybody talked about the AFC West when the season started, T. But a win here by the Patriots and all four teams in the AFC West or in the AFC East at above 500. This is true. This is true. All right, give me some thoughts uh, about tonight's game. Again, it's the Bears. It's the Patriots. Patriots around a eight-point favorite in this game. Chuck, where's the money coming in at? You know, we, we opened the game eight and a half. T it dipped down to eight, back to eight and a half. Now I think there's a much better chance that it goes to nine. Um, then it goes down. About seventy-five percent of the tickets are on the Patriots. Um, last time an NFC North team came into Foxborough was the Detroit Lions. With a much more potent offense, a good running game, young wide receivers, Jared Goff had been playing well at that point. And guess what? The Lions were shut out. Um, the Bears don't have a very potent offense. Got into the red zone inside the five three times against uh, the Commanders when they last played on a Thursday night. Had came away with zero points. Uh, it's a Bear offense that really struggles right now against a Patriot team that's trending the other way. It looks like it might be Mac Jones tonight. Getting the start, you have to wonder how long if he struggles or has some rust before they go to Bailey Zappi. But betters are definitely backing the Patriots tonight in this one. As I said, uh, over 75% of the tickets are on the Patriots tonight at home. I do like the Patriots in this game, but it still just feels strange, Chuck, to lay eight and a half or nine points with potentially Bailey Zappi. Now, I know that he's actually been pretty good. And again, you know, Mac Jones is still a youngster, like you said, coming off an injury here. But yeah, it, it's hard to basically lay two scores with Bailey Zappi in this in this Patriots uh, you know team. Even though you know defensively, I feel pretty confident with them. Well, well, it could be Mac Jones. You know, there's a possibility yeah, right. it's going to be Mac Jones, and it probably right? will be Mac Jones from the more that we're hearing right yeah. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you just look at you know the Patriot defense. Um, the Patriots asked their quarterback not to go out and throw. 400 yards, not have these massive shootout-type games. The quarterback position, if it's Mac Jones, if it's Bailey Zappi, it's, it's to manage the game and don't turn it over. You're going to get Damian Harris back tonight, so with Stevenson and Harris, you can control clock, you can run the ball, 
the Bears almost have to play a mistake-free game. I mean, we're we're Bear fans on our side of the counter. I'm going to hope that they can keep it close and hope that the, the extra preparation time after that loss to the Commanders was somewhat of a wake-up call because they outplayed Washington that night. I think you're the first team in the Super Bowl era to have three drives of 60 yards or longer that resulted in you going in, getting inside the five for four straight plays and coming away with zero points on all three drives. So, I mean, maybe you can hang your hat on that a bit. I think if you're a Bear fan, you're looking for just some positive signs out of Justin Fields. Uh, Henry will play in this game, um, you know, after being traded earlier in the season from the Patriots. He'll have an opportunity to play in this game. Um, I just don't know if the Bear offense can do enough. Um, Patriots might not score 30 points, but they might not have to to cover this number because I'm not sure the Bear offense, again, can do enough. Yet with Montgomery and, and Khalil Herbert, they can run somewhat, but I really think Fields needs to play a pretty good game tonight uh, to keep this one close. Low total in this one, too, 40 and a half, and it does have the makings for everything you just described, Chuck, as uh, being an under tonight uh, as well, too. Any movement in the total at all for you? Very minimal in the total, T. Actually seeing kind of good two-way action there. It's crept up just a tiny bit. I think it's more that it's a, a primetime game and an isolated game, although we haven't seen that many of those games go over this year. The trend has been uh, over 65% toward the under, where that usually isn't the case. Um, but there, there's a little bit more over money, but really kind of trending at two-way right now in the total. Chuck Esposito joins us at Red Rock. Raiders win yesterday, but we know we had we talked to you last week. The Sharps were going to be on the Texans, public on the Raiders. Is that pretty much how it turned out? I think it was more just public money on the uh, on the Raiders tee. Um, you know, we had over eighty percent of the tickets on the Raiders. I think they were the second highest ticket count yesterday, and and usually it's it, it's a it's good for the other side of the counter. Um, the guests do well when the Raiders win. They cover, and the game goes over. So when you look at the afternoon slate of games yesterday, um, probably our biggest game of the day overall, uh, and maybe the best Raider game of the year so far for the betters as they won their second game. Uh, Raiders cover, Raiders money line, Raiders over, all really good for the guests on the other side of the counter. Kansas City destroyed the 49ers yesterday, Chuck, even though they found, they found themselves down 10 nothing, and then they really turned it up uh, in the fourth quarter. Kansas City closed, I believe, as a one-point favorite. Talk a little bit about that game, and uh, where was the money on that? Well, you know, early action was on the Niners, and I think after the McCaffrey trade, you saw that a little bit more. Um, both teams were coming off a loss of San Francisco, that surprising loss at Atlanta. Kansas City maybe not so surprising against Buffalo. I'm not really worried about Kansas City, T. I think at 5-2 and two right now, they are still on a collision course with Buffalo. They're the two best teams in the AFC. They're head and shoulders above anybody else, those two teams right now. The big deciding factor would be is that if everything played out the way it should, man, Orchard Park would be hosting the AFC championship game. Really tough place to play with Bill's Mafia for anybody. But I think when you look at the NFC and you look at the Niners right now, who are, you know, they've lost two in a row. They're three and four. They made that big trade. They don't have a lot of draft picks over the next few years. Um, that was a huge game, um, I think, for them to lose. Uh, so the Niners kind of have to right the ship pretty quickly. Um, they're playing in a division where Seattle is four and three, which is a big surprise, and the Rams three and three. But the Niners play at the Rams next Sunday. They've owned the Rams. I think they've won five or six straight, um, excluding the playoff game, which they lost. Uh, but I think next week's game for the for the 49ers is huge because a loss there gives them three straight losses and three and five, uh, which is going to make it a little bit tougher, I think, both in the NFC West and the wild card. Um, but overall, we saw a lot of Niner love yesterday in that game against the Chiefs. Talk about the Niners losing two in a row. Well, the Packers now are really sliding, Chuck. Uh, and I know a lot of people, including myself, you look at that a four-point line against Washington, you think, okay, this is uh, the bounce-back game for Green Bay. But they just don't have it right now, especially offensively. They lose the game outright to the Commanders. Uh, how much money did you guys have on Green Bay? Let's just say being from Chicago and being born and raised a Bears fan, that I do have the box of tissue out right now for, for all the cheeseheads and, and for Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I, I'm really upset that they, they've lost three in a row. Um, but uh, uh, 
Stop, Bears. Um, they don't look like the same team. Um, you know, you, you heard Rodgers after not this past loss, but the loss the week before, kind of say he thought they needed to simplify things, which the coach disagreed with. They're the biggest underdog, I think, in Rodgers' career um, when they play on Sunday Night Football against Buffalo. And it is an awfully tough place to play. They could be looking at four straight losses. They've already lost a game to Minnesota. Um, they're not a good football team right now, T. They've really struggled a lot. Um, you know, they got beat the last three weeks. You talk about losses to the Giants, losses to the Jets. Granted, they're both playing really well and a loss to the Commanders. It's a Packer team that's reeling. Um, I think they're going to be active. I think they're going to try to, to help Rodgers um, and get him a wide receiver at the deadline. If it's Elijah Moore, if it's Kendrick Bourne, if it's a Chase Claypool, if they really go out and somehow are able to package a number of picks together for a DJ Moore, although Carolina said he's untouchable right now, um, I think Green Bay becomes one of the most active teams at the trade deadline. And I'm going to say the two guys that are odds-on favorite are Brandon Cooks from the Texans or Chase Claypool from the Steelers. Yeah, I agree. And that's really not been their M.O. in years past. Uh, but, again, a little bit different regime now. We'll see if they um, you know, go after a veteran wide receiver. But I would imagine, Chuck, that there's a lot of people that bet Green Bay, and you probably had them on teasers as well as uh, straight bets uh, yesterday against the Commanders. T, there's no question when you get you know, Green Bay to have lost their third straight game and Tampa their second straight, and these teams are losing outright that are, that are both really public teams that are heavily bet, and as you mentioned, tied in teasers, money lines, parlays, parlay cards, that those games were good for us. There was a number of games, as I mentioned earlier, that were really good for the guests on the other side. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Packers are one of those teams, I think, coming into the season, we knew it would be a little bit more uh, – would be tougher in the NFC North of Minnesota – but everybody expected it. It's still Rodgers. He signed this new deal. But you think about, you know, with Randall Cobb being out for the year now, Watkins being banged up a little bit, um, you know, Lazard being banged up a little bit. You're, you're sitting there with young wideouts, with Watson, who's also hurt, um, Dobbs. I think they have to go out and make that move this year. Um, and I think they're going to have to go out and get a big-time wide receiver to kind of try to right the ship a little bit um, because this offense is just really struggling um, at this point. If you take away that pick six that Heineke had thrown, I mean, it's, it's a commander team that would have had a double-digit lead basically the entire game yesterday. Have you ever heard Chuck Esposito talk about the Packers with so giddy? He was so giddy talking about the Packers. <laughs> it's yeah. passion. Yeah. It, it, it's fair passion, though. I love it. I love it. Other games that were pivotal for the books yesterday. You know, we, we talked about some of the big games. Um, the games that really were, were good for the guests were, you know, the way that the Bengals, the Bengals have seemed to kind of got over that Super Bowl hangover a bit and are playing so much better right now. You look at Burrow and Chase and, and Higgins and Boyd, they're playing really good with, with two straight wins, uh, winning four of their last five. Uh, the Cowboy game, although it wasn't pretty, um, you know, the four turnovers by Detroit was really bad. Um, that was a really good game. The betters back the Browns a little bit as well. And kind of like I said earlier, outside of the, the two big money line plays that we won, guessed it really well on, on the Titans, the, the Cowboys, the, the Bengals, um, and, and the Browns, all either winning or covering their games. Um, so kind of a mixed bag just a bit. But, uh, hey, that's been pro football so far. When you look at, you know, some of these divisions, you've got teams that are, you know, right hovering around 500 or a game above 500. Um, look at the NFC NFC South right now, T. I mean, every team is below 500. And if you think about the NFC West, I don't think anybody has a ticket on the Seattle Seahawks to win the West. Right. Um, you know, they trade Russell Wilson. It looks to be a fire sale earlier in the season. Total rebuild job. Yet you've got the Niners and Cardinals at three and four. Rams at three and three. And Geno Smith. The Seattle Seahawks and Kenny Walker, who had the fastest touchdown run in the league so far this year, sit at four and three, and they host a banged up Giant team that'll be playing playing their second game on the road, second straight game on the road. So it's a Seahawks team that quasi, you know, mid season, eight eight weeks could be five and three when we chat next Monday. Geno Smith MVP, look out. <laughs> All right, Chuck, World Series, baby. Here we go. Astros, Phillies, give us the series price. What do you got? I think it's great. You know, I, I, I think the Astros are a team that most people thought would be there 
best record in the American League. You know, they've got the pitching, um, have, have, you know, swept the Yankees in four games. No big surprise. They won, you know, both the, um, you know, the, the, the divisional series and the championship series kind of in straight games. Um, this Philly team, a wild card team, make the managerial change. A couple kids from Vegas, which is, uh, you know, super exciting. And they can flat out hit. I think going in, the knock on the Phillies was Dombrowski had, had built a team of not great fielders, not great pitching, but a team that could flat out hit. They've started to get some of the other stuff in the other two categories right now. So although the Astros are a little bit above a 9-5 to favorite, I think the Phillies are live. I think they're going to get some love as well. And I think you're going to see some runs scored when these two teams play. All right, uh, Astros minus 190, Phillies a plus 170. Uh, that's uh, pretty much uh, the price uh, of this series, so we're looking forward to that. All right, great place to watch the game tonight. To get over to Red Rock or any of the station casino properties, always fun there. The STN mobile app at the palm of your hands. The kiosks are there. The food options are in all of the station casino's properties, the big screens. Just a great place to watch and wager on the games. Can I get a witness? Chuck? <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, root hard for your Bears, but, uh, you know, don't be too disappointed tomorrow morning, my friend. Maybe you might need the Kleenex. <laughs> I might, buddy. <laughs> uh, I- I'm sure that, you know, a Bear win tonight would be a little shocking. But, yeah. hey, I'm still a fan. We're going to need him tonight. So go Bears. There you go, brother. Appreciate it as always, Chuck. Thank you very much. All right, buddy. Take care. Talk to you soon. You got it. There he is. Check Esposito over at Red Rock. I want to thank Chris Bazio for joining us, talking a little Major League Baseball, the postseason, the World Series. Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal talking about the Raiders' victory uh, yesterday as well, too. And plus, again, you got a chance to hear from Josh McDaniels, Josh Jacobs, and Derek Carr. Post game yesterday, the Raiders 38 to 20 win. All right, TC Martin saying so long. We'll back out again tomorrow. A terrible Tuesday edition. Plus, we have World Series previews all week long. Great guest lineups, of course, including my man Mattress Mac, who'll be joining us on Wednesday as we talk about Mac potentially winning 75 million. Mattress Mac and me, we've got the Astros. But my ticket will not nearly be for that. I hope. All right. Thanks for joining us. Miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. The interviews, they're all up there. Current, past, featured, there, and everything else we got right there. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow at 2.